Hello, world. Brad Abrahams is a documentary filmmaker from Canada who's currently based in the USA. Brad's documentaries feature some of the world's most odd and interesting characters. For example, he spent three years documenting David Huggins, a 72-year-old man who claims he lost his virginity to an extraterrestrial alien-woman hybrid and also claims he had multiple children with her. Brad also focuses a considerable amount of his work on conspiracy theory culture, dissecting the minds of people who believe in the most outlandish theories and ideas. This was a super fun episode. We got to jump down many different rabbit holes. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Brad Abrahams. Brad, you are an interesting dude. You have some great work. Thank you. <laughs> I've been it. I've been uh, watching all of your documentaries for the past few days. Again, I've already watched them once. I watched them for the second time. Appreciate it. What the hell draws you to these types of characters? Yeah. So it's it's two things. One is um, really the the biggest draw is scoot this thing a little bit closer. Sure. Yeah. The biggest draw is um, a fascination with belief. And wanting to understand uh, why these people believe in these things, but uh, smaller a smaller draw. Uh, maybe it's about you know a quarter compared to the the seventy five percent of that is. Uh, I also want to believe, you know. There's like a part of me that that holds out that you know, UFO abductions are maybe real, or Bigfoot is maybe real, or some of these conspiracy theories are real, and. I think that's what draws all of us to this subject matter, really. Even if even if we're just watching and laughing, we still sort of want to believe that that it could be real. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was telling you right before we started, the guy Mike Cleland, mm-hmm. who wrote the messenger books about the owls and synchronicities, uh, like I was telling you, I had him on here for a couple hours and we, and we were talking. And it's just as for me, as far as like my experience talking to um, people who claim to have been abducted by UFOs. Mm-hmm. I just started to, I just started to question him so much the more and more we started talking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I started to lose sort of like, I, I wanted to believe him at first. And then so we, as we started going down the rabbit hole and he started talking more about these synchronicities and how he believes he was like some chosen one and he had been abducted so many times and it was sort of like his calling in life was to tell this story. Yeah. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Personally, I sort of lost my personal grip on it. Did you get the same feeling? With, with uh, First of all, let's introduce this guy, David Huggins. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that documentary that you did. Yeah, so David, David is a, a mild-mannered nearly 80-year-old man in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey. And he claims that he has been having extraterrestrial experiences since he was, I think, like nine. And once he hit 17, these experiences turned sexual. Um, He says he lost his virginity to one of these extraterrestrials at 17. I'm glad they waited till he was somewhat (laughs) age-appropriate. And... And... Up until probably like the, you know, this was happening in the, in the maybe the 50s or the 60s, up until the 80s or 90s, he kept having these experiences and and decided to chronicle them all through these amazing surrealistic oil paintings, which he then, he would finish a painting and just like put it against his wall. It wasn't for anyone to see except for himself until basically I came into his life and and saw his studio, with which had like 200 something of these paintings um, and knew that I had to put his life to film. How did you discover him again? It was, I don't actually really remember. It was, it was maybe back in like 2010 or 11 or something, listening to some paranormal radio show. And they mentioned him offhand as, as too crazy for them to even talk about. So I was like, well, this is the guy that I, I need to try and, and find and, and realize he had no internet presence. He's never, you know, use the internet and doesn't have email or anything like that. And I tracked down uh, his neighbor who had done a little book of his paintings, which not many people had seen. Um, and she gave me his home phone number and I called him like a cold call. And he, immediately he was just like, yeah, I think it's time for me to tell my story. And yeah, we had, we had maybe about like 10, two hour long phone calls where I got every single detail to try and figure out, is this going to be worth you know, me spending cause years to make a documentary, you know, um, is this going to be worth my time? Eventually I spent a weekend with him as an experiment. I slept in his ex-wife's bedroom whom he still lives with, but she was away on vacation. Um, and it was just like a, a weird wild weekend. And I was like, yes, this is, this is going to work. Wow. Uh-huh. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. That's fucking <laughs> wild. I've had a couple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, so, but he's told his story. He has told his story before, right? Like with that guy Bud Hopkins. Well, no, Bud was he in one of his books or he no? He wasn't. No, so, okay. no. But the Bud Hopkins book, I think it was called Intruders. That was what David David basically, um, like a lot of alien abductees, didn't have access to all the memories, and he he randomly found this book in the bookstore started reading it, and there was a chapter called Other Women, Other Men that was about kind of sexual abduction experiences. Mm, yeah. And as soon as he started reading it, he said all of the memories started to crystallize again. They all came clear, and that's when he started to paint them from memory. Pardon the interruption, but this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Geology. This award-winning men's skincare company will formulate a customized skincare routine just for you. Using a handful of powerful, proven ingredients, 
that have been trusted by dermatologists for decades. In fact, Geology is one of the only men's skincare companies to have retinol as an active ingredient in their products. If you suffer from acne, dark circles under your eyes, sensitive or wrinkly skin, you have to look no further. All you gotta do to get started is take their 30 second diagnostic quiz and their team of dermatologists will design and ship a customized regimen directly to your door. That's what I did. They gave me all this amazing stuff. I got the everyday face wash. I got the uh, the dark circle wash because I got fucking bags under my eyes. The repair night cream is amazing too. It feels so good and smells so good. Their face wash is incredible. It smells amazing. I love the way it makes my skin feel after using it. And with over 4,000 five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Head to geology.com, take their free skincare quiz, and save up to 50% off your 30-day trial. Or just click the link below and use the code CONCRETE50 at checkout. That's promo code K-O-N-C-R-E-T-E 50 at checkout. Back to the show. And he claims that he had multiple children with these alien beings. Yes. And yeah. he held the children and wanted to go. It's a fucking, it's bananas, the yeah. story. I've it gets never... more and more bananas. Yeah, the children part was... You know, because there's, you know, I've been abducted. You've heard a lot of people say say that, and, may, and maybe that's true. And then there's, you know, I had sex with aliens. That's another level of, of sort of credulity, like, will I believe that? But then there's, I've had lots of hybrid babies with aliens that I've seen and held and played hide-and-seek with on the spaceship. And it's like, wow, uh, you know, I can't really, I can't say I believe anymore. Um but I still I want to believe him in that something happened to him. But that detail and those details, it's just like too much. That's too much for me in my brain yeah. to imagine. Maybe that's just, be, you know, I can't think outside the box enough for that. What What was your uh, first take dealing with this guy? Like the first weekend you spent with him, yeah. like what was your first reaction? Just totally disarmed by so down to earth, so nice normal uh like plugged into the world you know like into politics and everything um i would walk his street and and meet all of his neighbors and they all loved him they all just thought of him as like the grandpa on the street he'd been there 30 years going to his place of work like david's the best um most people just didn't even know that he had had these experiences and talk about them with most people so i was getting this impression that that you know i maybe was going to go there thinking he's going to be unhinged in some way, but that's not the impression you get at all. And anyone that meets David is, is just like, wow. And then that cognitive dissonance starts to happen. And you're like, well, someone that seems so normal, um, you, you, you don't, you're not going to write off as just crazy and he's making it up or he has paranoid delusions because that doesn't seem like what's going on. And so then you really start thinking like, well, what could that be? And then that's, you know, what I'm most interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, his massive collection of supernatural sci-fi movies on VHS, <laughs> did, did his obsession with the, these paranormal sci-fi movies start before he these, these things happened to him, before he started telling the stories? Or at what point? Because I, in the documentary, you make the connection, or, or one of the guys you're interviewing makes the connection, saying that these experience, these real-life experiences that people have directly affect these science fiction stories and then it's like a it's a cycle and then the science fiction stories affect the the more real life 
situations people say they encounter. Yeah. So do you know, do you have like a timeline of when he became, started collecting all these movies and becoming obsessed with them? Yeah. So, so what's interesting is that seemed to happen later, you know, just like in the eighties when he started collecting them. But he early on was that movie. Did you ever see John Carpenter's the thing, the eighties one? Where yeah, it's like it's Kurt so Russell, yeah. and it's like just these horribly disgusting like alien monsters. Well, the the first version of that, the original version of that, came out the year that he had his first encounter, and so or he watched it around that time, you know, probably in the theater or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's these things, you know, I'll hear things like that, and 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 it's like, well, maybe then that's in your brain, and and maybe you still had an experience, but you're like mapping on things that you're seeing, but, but still back in, you know, in the, I guess in the fifties and the sixties, that was kind of a UFO mania too. Like there was like reports of UFOs over the white house yeah. and, you know, um, he probably, cause there was no internet, he's probably had very little exposure to this stuff, but it was still there and around. And especially when he started remembering most of it, that's in the eighties and that's like, you know, prime UFO time. Yeah, a lot of his story and a lot of his drawings are very similar to a lot of other really popular yeah. events. And he doesn't have access to the internet, so how would he know? Right, yeah. Uh, I don't know how much of, of that imagery he'd... I get the gray, definitely, I think everyone had seen, but mm-hmm. insectoid beings... Um, praying mantis. Yeah, yeah. And, and the tall people, the alien women, those seem pretty unique. He did see, like, a, he had mentioned, like, in a Doctor Who episode that he saw that that he had mentioned he saw it and he was like oh that's weird I'm it's like I'm having a memory and I watched it and it's like these giant ants like these ant people that mm-hmm. sort of look like his praying mantis and so again it might be that that he had these experiences and then he saw these these mantoid beings and they remind him of him or he saw those and he's like oh I had you know yeah mapping that onto in his own brain yeah, it's it also reminds me of the Travis the whole Travis Walton story as well. Right. Yeah. Like, like with the human slash alien hybrids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which was very odd. Uh-huh. And more terrifying. Like David the Travis Walton story is like truly terrifying. And David is just like, Oh, I had a good time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so overall, your experience with him and Doc how long did you film with him? It was it was uh it happened over years, like maybe three years or something, uh-huh. but I would only go like a couple weekends per year to shoot with him because it was all self-funded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a little money from a production company, but it it just takes, docs take forever, and then it took like two years to, yeah. you know, edit it and put it together. But I'd, I'd basically, the first time I went and saw him was like nine years ago. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he still calls me like every other day. Does he really? Yeah, he just checks in. He'll tell me if he had a weird dream, if someone buys one of his paintings. He just wants to know what's going on with me. Fuck, yeah, I want to buy one of his paintings. Yeah. Those things are amazing. Uh-huh. You got to do it in person. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, you got to fly there and get it buy it from him. <laughs> Pretty much, or if you have a friend in New York. So is this guy? Is this guy full of shit? Did this happen to him? What do you? What's your take? My take is, knowing him, he he didn't make it up. He experienced something, mm-hmm. uh, and. It's hard for me to believe that it's exactly as he described it, but so he might be he might be like in in the movie the the professor of religious studies says you know we experience something, um, but then popular culture 
is is how we filter it and mm. see it um, because we can't even comprehend what that reality really is. So maybe, I mean, that's what I more lean to, that David ha- was having what classically would be called mystical experiences, um, which are similar to psychedelic experiences mm-hmm. without the drugs. Right. Uh, and yeah, they're like almost like religious experiences that David was having. And um, maybe it's like some kind of epilepsy. Like there's, I talked to some neuro some neurologist or neuroentheologist, uh, and there's like there are types of ep- waking hour epilepsy that they're very vivid hallucinations. Um, maybe you know everyone's wrong, and he has some kind of paranoid delusional uh, personality disorder. Uh, maybe he is making it up, or maybe something really happened to him. Like all these things, mm-hmm. it could be. But I, I. I would just say that I think that he's just not lying. That's all I can say is that he's not lying that strange things happen to him or he experienced strange things. Um, and, and he's telling it as he remembers it. But I, if I were like with David, when one of these things were happening, I don't think I would have seen what he was seeing. I don't think they were really happening in our like objective reality as we see it. Mm. Yeah. Sort of it was like a, like an almost in another dimension, like a dream like state. Who knows? Yeah, and 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 I also you know I'm not I want to clarify I'm not saying that like all UFO sightings are this either. Okay. Because I think th- those can be different things like UFOs, which now we have you know footage of from the the military. Right. Um, that's a big leap still from being abducted and from being from having sex with whoever's <laughs> on these UFOs. You know, they don't have to be the same thing, and I think a lot of people get caught up in that well the funny thing is about the whole like i mean it's a fun it's such a fun subject Uh the the funny the the interesting thing about it is is not that long ago just like talking about ufos was like had the stigma of modern day talking about abduction like right like now talking about ufos is like okay yeah it's, it's been in the new york times it's been like like navy pilots talk about it and it's like, yeah, we accept it. and But abduction is kind of like, okay, now you're crossing the line. Yeah. But not that long ago, it was like just talking about seeing UFOs being real, talking about UFOs being real, that was crossing the line. Yeah. So how much <laughs> down the line, farther down you know, the timeline we go, when you know, maybe abduction will be proven right? and Maybe, yeah. And then like, okay, we'll wait for sex with aliens for yeah. wait another 10 years <laughs> until we accept that. And then we'll all be looking back at David and being like, damn, he was right. He yeah, was, but I mean, going back in... in uh, like the Greek and Hindu mythology, uh, their sex with their gods, right? Who kind of look like aliens mm. and come from the sky. And so yeah. it could, you know, it could just be a, a, a different form of that. Yeah. He seems just like such a, like a, a, a such a nice person, such yeah. a, like a genuine guy. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's looking for attention. No. Like he's not publishing books or anything. He seems like the, like even the art show seems like something that you guys kind of like, or not maybe you, but other people around him pushed him to do, like yeah. encouraged him to do it. Yeah. Oh no, I did it. Like I, I set up the whole oh, show did? for him. Yeah. Oh, that's because awesome. otherwise there'd, no one would see his work right. in, in person. So we just rented a gallery and filled it with his paintings and then, uh, and people just came it was like in Manhattan, so people just walked in, um, and it was one. Is like his basically his first show or solo show, and and he got to interact with people, and everyone that talked to him were like, "Wow!" Like, you know, I look at the images and they look bonkers, but then I talk to him, and now I really have to think about it. Yeah, uh-huh. it's fucking fascinating. Yeah, man. 
what other types of people similar to him have you talked to or, or interviewed? Right. So he's sort of the most, the person who's, who's most um, experienced the supernatural. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, I've had, I've done a, a short and working on a feature about cryptozoologists, the, those who study animals that most likely don't exist or, or, you know, cryptozoologists. Yeah. Yeah. It just stands for, it's the study of unknown or hidden animals. And so Bigfoot falls into that. Mm. The Loch Ness monster falls into that. And then animals that were once extinct and maybe could still be alive. So like the, the Tasmanian tiger or there's, have you heard of the coelacanth? No, that was, that was a fish that they thought. Sela. Coelacanth. Coelacanth. Yeah. Okay. It was a fish that they thought went extinct millions of years ago. And then just, you know, uh, decades ago, actually found it still alive and still, you know, thriving populations of it. It looks wild, like this really? wild prehistoric fish. So that would be considered like a cryptid, what they study. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes as far as there's like one called the Mongolian deathworm, which is sort of in between. Do you ever see that movie Tremors? Oh, of course. Yeah. So it's it's sort of like mini or like sandworms from Dune. It's like these, yeah. m- these mini versions of that, that... Um, spit acid. It's one of can... the most terrifying animals <laughs> yeah. in all movies. Yeah, and and so these Mongolian like, you know, yak herders and desert nomads um, claim that they see these death worms. They're not that. They're like maybe like that. Big. Oh, okay. And uh, but they they can like paralyze you, spit acid, electrocute you, wow, do psychic things. Um, so that's like far on the on the hard to believe end. And then mm-hmm. there's there's some that like you know we do find creatures that we didn't think existed yeah i find it i I love the the whole i love the ufo subject but when i talk Mm -hmm. to people this um about ufos i i I often find that they also believe in bigfoot yes and then it kind of just ruins it for me (laughs) (laughs) you know there's there's factions though there's some there's some that believe they're connected that bigfoot is an interdimensional being right yeah and then there's the real cryptozoologists they're they treat it like zoology, you know, like it's a, it's a science. Mm-hmm. And some of them are actually like primatologists. Uh, and they would, they hate when people connect like UFOs and Bigfoot. Cause to them, UFOs are the, the, the crazy stupid thing. And Bigfoot's the real thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there's, uh, I've heard of that. Like, like flying saucers and UFO sightings yeah. being directly correlated with Bigfoot. Yep. Yeah. It's odd. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And then, um, uh, I also did a short doc about a conspiracy theorist and now working on a feature doc about, you know, a group of conspiracy theorists. And, and that's another kind of... That's of, another guy that was, like, really, really, really yeah. nice guy, seemed like. Def- and another guy named David. He was named David and Adam an artist. David yeah. And an artist, yeah. yeah. Synchronicities, man. Exactly. And he... Um, so he... That's... You know, I... I I, I'm not like really interested with the uh, unraveling the conspiracies that he was interested in. It was more unraveling him and his beliefs and his psychology, because you know his the conspiracies in that they were like so out of this world, right? Like you know, no children died at Sandy Hook school shootings, and you know everything is a false flag, and um, you know like mind control stuff, um, which. A lot of it, you when you when you break it down, a lot of that stuff has precedent. A lot of know? it's come true. Yeah, like MK Ultra. Right. Um, there have been false flag events like Gulf of Tonkin start mm-hmm. the Vietnam right. you know, War, and and so and like Edward Snowden with all the surveillance. So 
it it's easier to understand why people fall down those rabbit holes because, you know, the government's always been lying to us in in the most outrageous ways. Uh, but then it's taken to a level where, you know, it's like, oh yeah, the the Jews are injecting us with microchips and drinking babies' blood and all that. And it's like, oh well, yeah. <laughs> what 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 do you think it is ab- about people? that draws them to those crazy conspiracies. Is there a commonality that you found that yeah the, between all those people? Yeah, um I think w- one is that we we all there's a lot of chaos in the world. More and more so it feels that way because we're aware of everything that's going on and that's scary and it helps to try and bring order to that chaos. So if you if all this horrible shit is happening like you know the Travis Scott concert um, and it, and you're like, why? Why is that happening? It, it's more scary f- for some people to think that that just happened, you know, that it was a mistake and it was random versus um, this was a planned event, you know, and people are controlling all of this. And so everything that bad that's happening, these are people that are controlling it. Um, and, and so uh, there might be a way to break free of that control or I know the secret knowledge and, and I won't be affected by this. And so I think that helps, especially when it's a little different in this country because it, it, you, could, you could say like conspiracy theories um, uh, rose when religion fell in a lot of places but because religion was another thing that, that sort of brought order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the, in the United States, you know, belief in religion hasn't fallen. It seems to be increasing. Um, Not in Florida. I don't know where you live. (laughs) Not in Florida. Um, Not on the coast. uh Inland, it's probably big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, and... Our God is Donald Trump down here. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like it. Um, And then then the people that... that So I think anyone can fall into that belief, but the the people that um, go really deep into it, I think then there's something psychologically that's going on and it could it could come from you know there's studies that that um certain people have had trauma and then that leads them to be suspicious of authority figures because maybe that trauma was caused by a parent or a teacher and then it leads you to have distrust for any authority or authority figure and usually that the largest form of that is the government and so that trauma makes you suspicious and suspicious suspicious for the rest of your life and then there's um this this thing called apophenia, which is, uh, it's our faculty to, it's related to our faculty to see patterns in the world. And so that's a good thing, you know, especially when you're like a hunter gatherer, um, and you, you're, you're figuring out like, is that a, a deer or is that just leaves, you or know, saber tooth tiger yeah. trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but when it goes into overdrive, and especially in in our culture where it's not as important, you can start seeing patterns in places that it doesn't that don't exist, and and mm. that spectrum goes into paranoia if you go to the extreme end because you're you know everything has meaning and there's no randomness. Um, but interestingly, that's also the spectrum towards like creativity because like for example, apparently like Da Vinci was had big time apophenia. He would see. You know, in in the grains of wood, he would see like whole scenes, and then really? to him, yeah, and that could be like a painting. Um, but if you take that too far, then you know it's like facing Mars or Jesus in the toast. Yeah, that goes into overdrive, and and it seems like a lot of these 
people have that as well. And and sim- similar with like the numerology, you know, like like gematria, it's it's like where where everything has numerological numerological significance and can be broken down via numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's similar. Hmm. Do you do you notice any commonalities with like people who were just lonely? Yeah, that too. Yeah, that because what <laughs> I've noticed, I just interviewed this guy who did a, a documentary about QAnon. Okay, who who's um, the guy? Uh, Colin Hoback. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, from what he gathered, or what I gathered, we we talked about it from like the people that are like balls deep into this um, deep state satanic pedophile ring. Yeah, um, is that it's just people that just lack a sense of community. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and that, I would say that is a big part of it. And it's also where I think a lot more of the, like, hateful conspiracies come into play. Because if you take David as an example from from my doc, he... David D's? Yeah, David David D's. Okay. Um, D's nuts. (laughs) Yeah, D's nuts. He he had no IRL interactions. He was basically a hermit. He'd maybe go to the grocery store once every two weeks or something and... He had one friend in town who was also a conspiracy theorist. And and so all of his interactions were just like online on Facebook and in YouTube comments. Mm-hmm. Um and and as you know it's it, it's a lot easier to to start to marginalize people, to think people are idiots, um and to be mean when it's only online. And and your world gets really small. Even though the internet is big, your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller because you're only interacting with the with screen like, and and just your group, your like yeah. ever shrinking group. And so when when people like like me and my you know cameraman went out there to meet him, it sort of like blows his world open. He's like, because I'm Jewish, and 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 he's just like, oh, you're a nice Jewish person. <laughs> like you're you're not trying to. You know, control me. And yeah, he had a, like a, a lot yeah. of anti-Semitic yeah. imagery in his artwork, right? He did, yeah. And, and why was that? So f- he would just say he's not anti-Semitic. He's like anti-Zionist, um, which he didn't know, even know what Zionism was. Uh, but it's you know, it's it. I think he's just influenced by everything that comes before him, and and beyond behind every conspiracy theory online, it's like pretty much the Jews. Once you you know keep on is but it it's for most of them yeah even even if it's not like expressly um stated it's it goes back to the whole like that protocols of the elders of zion which is this like famous forgery from europe in like the i don't know like the 1900s or 1800s maybe it even goes before that um that was this fake document that was basically saying written as if it were the jews that they want to control the world mm. and and so it was taken as being real um, all, wasn't there also something the whole like Satanist baby eaters yes. started back then too? It they did tried blood to, libel, yeah, right, yeah. And so I think that stuff, and it, and that was always just because the Jews were the other, they were the other in Europe, you know, the marginalized group that would never assimilate, and had strange rituals, and they were from a far off place, and they looked a little different, but they looked just you know the same enough that they could you know sneak into our society, and mm-hmm. and so that's where it seemed to to start. And never have been able to shake that, especially in the conspiracy world. But, you know, meeting David and, and, and him meeting us, it was just like, oh, wow, you know, 
you know, nice, normal guys are in my life now. And, um, and I can talk about things that aren't conspiracies. And he just sort of like lit up and Mm. wanted to talk about his bunnies and his cats and, you know, art and, and not talk about conspiracies. And yeah, he seemed like a completely different person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How long does it take you to do something like that? That documentary you did on him, that was like a 15 minute short. Yeah. That, that, um, so that was another like self-funded thing. So it's like, you just go there and you try and shoot as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And so we only really had a couple days to shoot with him. We wanted to go back, but he, he died while I was editing. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't hint that he was sick. So I I had no idea if I had known why I would have like shown him stuff and, and tried to go out and film with him again. So the editing part took like a year just cause like, I didn't know what to do with it. How did you find out that he died? I just saw this obituary online. Yeah, I was just searching him to get some like image reference of his work, and then it showed up in the obituary. And um, yeah, he had died two months after we filmed with him. And he alluded to like very offhand that he might have had some cancer, but that he cured it with by drinking baking soda. Is you had read on YouTube mm. or watched a YouTube video that was like you can cure your cancer by if you make your body alkaline enough. And so he just, he never went to the doctor. And he also had like a, like a, like an e-meter, like a Scientology machine. Yeah. It was called, it looks just like one, but it's different. It's called the Rife machine. And it basically works on the principle that every like virus and bacteria and parasite, um, operates on a certain frequency. And if you like tune another frequency into that frequency, then it kills it all in your body. If you hold onto these tubes and so, and I mean, he got hoodwinked into buying. Oh, this yeah, is it. There's thousands of dollars. Really? Thou- and and the person who sold it to him <clears throat> um, hoodwinked him into buying like 10 of them so that he could resell them, which he was never able to sell any. And David was poor. Mm-hmm. So he just went into debt. It's super sad. Did you, are these things, what are they used for? Are they? Nothing. They're, they're just bullshit machines? I, I mean, I would say so. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Rife's world. Yeah, but it's, it doesn't seem like there's anything to it. And in it, he's like, he's using it, and he's like, and I don't even feel a thing. <laughs> yeah. Where do you think he learned about something like, is this something like he found on YouTube or like Reddit? Likely, yeah. Not, I, he, he didn't really go on Reddit except to look at his own, there was a subreddit about him about called him? Nuts. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember sh- you showing that. So he would go on that subreddit. So basically they would, it was really popular. It was like, now there's like 15,000 people in the subreddit and, um, wow. they would just post his art and make fun of it, you know? Um, and, we, but it was super active. Like there'd be like, you know, 30, 50 comments on, on these yeah. paintings and he would go on to read them because it was the only place he could see people like talking about his work. And so even though they were calling him like schizophrenic and crazy on there, he still like got a kick out of it and he would, um, he would make like burner accounts on Reddit really? and like argue <laughs> with the people. What was the he you asked him about um like marriage or relationships. Yeah. He said he got poisoned by something. Yeah, so he you know, he had never apparently had a steady relationship um or in his adult life and and his reason was uh that he he had been doing airbrushing as his job. You know, mm-hmm. he would do like big billboards and, you know, movie posters and stuff, which was all, a lot of it was done through airbrushing then. And he never wore a mask 
and it's super, t- it's like heavy metals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, aerosolized that yeah. you're breathing in that go, you know, that gets into your brain tissue. And cadmium was the major one. Cadmium. Yeah. That's what it was. And so cadmium. when he told me that, he said, he said, I got poisoned and like I had neurological damage from the cadmium. And he was sick for like years from that and never really fully recovered. Um, and that was like the prime of his life. And it fucked him up enough that. He, his career never recovered and he never was able to, you know, have these, have lasting relations. Didn't like make total sense, but I started looking up cadmium poisoning and the effect on the brain. And there was a lot of links to schizophrenia of it causing schizophrenic like symptoms. And when he got poisoned, that was also around the same time that he fell into these conspiracies and getting really deep into them. And before that, it didn't seem like he was like, no, I never even had any. I never thought about conspiracies or any of this stuff. Like he was into UFOs and, and that sort of thing, but it seemed to, to coincide. And so maybe, you know, I drew like a a thin link to maybe this neurological damage thrust him into like the deep world of conspiracies. But, you know, I shouldn't make even be making that link because I'm not have any kind of qualifications to do that, but it's like, it's what I saw. Uh Now, did you notice any like, personality traits that were similar with him and people like um, Hug- David Hug- uh, other no. David? No. no. No similarities? Not really. Oh, yeah. No, not not really. Um, I mean, they're both, I guess one thing, like the cryptozoologists and, and, and these people, um, they are tend to be more introverted and a little more hermit-like and mm-hmm. spend a lot of time with themselves and self-reflecting as well but then again those are also like you know people in history that have had like mystical experiences mm-hmm. um are oftentimes you know people are self-reflective and they go on these journeys alone and mm-hmm. yeah and you just find like ever since you started talking to these people and mm-hmm. filming them you're just you're cons- you're constantly drawn to these types of characters yeah yeah with beliefs that make other people want to write them off immediately. Like if there's someone that, that someone else or most people would just say, don't waste your time talking to this person. They're crazy. I want to really dig in Mm -hmm. and be like, are they, or is what they believe really crazy? Why do they believe it? Maybe if we figure that out, we can understand more about ourselves. Um, especially with conspiracies because we have to learn how to have a dialogue about this stuff. And with these people now, in our country more than any other country is just like, it's just such a split and people are digging in on both sides. And there's, there's like no cross talk at all. No. And even in the same families, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a problem with, to... with algorithms, right? When, sure. when you start talking about one thing, it kind of just like they, yeah. hood, they hoodwink you into one little group of people and there's no outside perspective on like sites like YouTube and Twitter. And they yeah. just kind of like feed you all the same shit. You know? So curious if Facebook didn't exist where we would be at. I right know, now. right? <laughs> God. And then, and then, you know, on top of that, which was something I talked to Cullen about is the whole censorship thing, how yeah. YouTube and Google, especially, and Twitter, they censor a lot of the conversations around the conspiratorial stuff. And it pushes those people to the chans, like 8chan yeah. and, and 8coon, pushes them to Reddit. and Bit then shoot. And then bit shoot, yeah. yeah. And then once they get banned off these big websites like Twitter, it just makes them more emboldened mm-hmm. to stand by 
their whatever they whatever it is they believe yeah and they push it even harder because yeah. they feel like they're the one that's you know got the boot on their neck right which is fascinating how all these you know the whole uh q thing blew up from that you know is when is when um the whole q thing got banned from reddit and it pushed it to the chans which is which is essentially if you follow the timeline what blew it up you know, into this massive mainstream thing that mm-hmm. everyone thinking that Donald Trump was some superhero that was going to take down these evil cabal. And still do. Yeah, yeah, and still do. And they're still waiting for JFK Jr. to to come back oh, from yeah. the dead and <laughs> oh my in God. Dallas, you know. And his, uh, yeah, his uh, his uh, memorial is the shape of a Q, the letter Q. Yeah. And, and uh, oh, man. <laughs> they have it a is vigil, weird. vigil for him still in, like, there was some, they were waiting for him, I think, like a week ago. And really yeah. in Dallas. <laughs> yes, yeah. Really? Waiting did you go there and film it? I didn't. No, I, I did not. But the, that Q and, you know, Q non anonymous podcast, they, they had someone there. I think. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I bet that, I bet you would have caught some interesting characters there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the whole, I've stayed away from the, the Q verse hmm. and even the, like the Q verse and the, the sort of more political mm-hmm. conspiracies because it, Everyone else is covering that, like Vice yeah. and and other, you know, TV channels and websites and stuff. So I'm less interested in mm-hmm. the more current affairs. Have stuff. you seen the HBO documentary? I, you know, I haven't. Oh my I really God, should, dude. Yeah, it's, it reminds me so much of your work. Uh-huh. It's like it's it's so it's it reminds me of the same type of people. You know, these outcasts. Yeah, yeah. the outcasts, the people that you know, the lone, you know, have no sense of community, don't have a lot of, you know. It's it's sad, but it's so fascinating at the same time. You yeah. know, the, and and here, like in this area, it's like you're. I'm right in the middle of it. There's so many people like that in Florida. Florida yeah, it's just. I mean, I'm in Texas, so I've never been to Texas. I've uh-huh. been to Texas. I've, I've like I've been to the airport. Uh-huh. I've never been outside the airport. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the Austin bubble. Okay, which, so you're in like the like the Silicon Valley of Texas. Yeah, it just seems like like you know other cities I've lived. Like I used to live in like Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Did you really? I did, yeah. And and Seattle and, you know, Toronto and you You've know been all over the place. Yeah. Like liberal cities and, and um Austin's like that, but like when you leave Alex Jones Austin lives there, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Which is funny, yeah. <laughs> and he likes it, you know. <laughs> well yeah, of course. He loves you know, he yeah. loves being on all those podcasts yeah. that are in Austin. Exactly. Yeah. And he just got didn't I saw on the news today that he he got charged or he got pled or he yeah, got doesn't look good he's guilty for the sandy hook thing right doesn't look good i know a filmmaker who um she just she's she's wrapping her movie on him her doc oh really yeah alex's war she was embedded with him for like a year what yeah mm-hmm. like working f- like doing her documentary with his permission yeah really yeah she did that doc um that feel when no GF, I don't know, TFW, no GF, but incels. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, and so she's kind of was in that community and um, got access to Alex. And he was cool with it. Yeah. I don't know the whole story, but yeah. Okay. He, Is it, have you seen the the final? No. You haven't seen, because they just it's, wrapped it, right? Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's going to be in between. It's okay. not, it's going to be sort of like. Both sympathetic and uh, right, right, showing him for how he not just he not just like a hit piece trying to make yeah. him look like a piece I think of that's shit. the only reason why you know she's she's human. To get into yeah, yeah, have to film. Have him. you ever met him? No, I've seen him. Yeah, just going crazy at <laughs> at uh, 
uh, like Barton Spring, Barton Springs, or sorry, the the Green Belt, which is just like like walking trail. Mm-hmm. And at the start of COVID, you had to have like a reservation to use the trail, so really? it wouldn't get too crowded. Mm-hmm. And Alex just showed up to go walking there, and he didn't have a reservation, and he just like lost his mind on the like poor park person, just this kid who was like, "I'm sorry, I can't let you really? in." Yeah, and he was just, you know, ranting. And about you saw him just, yeah. Berating some kid. Wow, it's on YouTube too. Wow. Yeah. Have you uh, have you followed the uh, Bohemian Grove thing? Yeah, I mean that was kind of great. I, th- I thought that was fun. Um, that was you know before Alex Jones was w- like had sort of picked a side politically. <clears throat> he hated all politicians. Yeah. It seemed like. Um, and you know, it seems like he's back there now. Oh really? Okay. Just from like l- lately, I've seen him on a couple podcasts. Uh-huh. And he seems like he's changed his tune on on. Uh, you know, he used to be like hardcore like Trump yeah. guy. Now he's like anti-Trump again. Okay. <laughs> he changes with the wind, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and everyone seemed to hate Bush back then. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, that documentary that he did was pretty fucking cool back then. That mm-hmm. he did way back in the day. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Huh. So, uh, are you working on anything right now? Yeah. So, the David D's piece got me hired to co-direct uh, a feature-length doc where there's going to be maybe like let's say like ten like conspiracy theorists that we're just going to sort of live with mm. um, and do these intimate portraits of like conspiracy theorists, people who are ex-conspiracy theorists, family members of conspiracy theorists, and then intertwine that with um, with like experts, you know, like historians. Um, psychologists, neurologists, um, who who will give context to why, basically, like why we believe, why are conspiracy theories um, on the rise, etc. Um, then working on a feature length doc about cryptozoologists, so the people that study Bigfoot, yeah, and the Loch Ness monster, and all of those. I had done a short doc that that helped to inspire this, and then um, a, working on a docu series that's about folklore, like bizarre folklore and Telos or bust the one about Mount Shasta. That's yeah. that sort of like our pilot in progress for that one. Okay. Yeah. Telos or bust. Yeah. Explain <laughs> that one for people who aren't familiar. Yeah. So, so, um, <clears throat> there's a town in Northern California called Mount Shasta. It's a really small town, like 3000 people, but it's known for this majestic mountain that, that rises, um, up into the sky that you see from, you know, miles and miles away and you see it and it's just like, wow, that is, this mountain is striking and it sort of calls you to it. Um, but you, most people just drive right by and, and don't realize that, that in the town, at the foot of the mountains, a large percentage of the people that live there believe that, that there's a hidden city underneath the mountain called Telos mm-hmm. and it's inhabited by what they call ascended masters. Um, which are sort of these these perfect beings, immortal beings that maybe were once human, um, and they live in this amazing crystalline, interdimensional Castle. city. Yeah. yeah, and and they're you know they escaped, you know Lemuria and Atlantis when they sank. A handful of them had escaped to tell us through the inner Earth network of tunnels that exists. So they say. Um, and, and they ended up in underneath Mount Shasta. And so there's a whole, there's a whole spectrum of beliefs there. Like there's a a religion that popped up called the I am activity. 
um, that is based out of there that has their own set of beliefs. There's the people that, that kind of somewhat worship the uh, ascended masters. Um, and then there's those that just, they want to like get into Telos and like think it's a physical city and they look for the door on the mountain and some claim that they've found the door and that you can access the city. Others, it's, it's more like a spiritual place. So they'll lead you into it through meditation Hmm. or chanting. And so it's this whole, but imagine like it's a whole little town of people that, that all sort of believe that, that this thing exists, this sort of metaphysical thing exists under, (laughs) under the mountain. Yeah. And so it's a wild place and there's, and, and there's for a town that size, there's like 10 crystal shops (laughs) and they're all like totally busy inside of people just buying crystals and other, other things. Um, and everyone you meet is like, or almost everyone you meet is, is super fascinating, interesting character has their own story about how they got there and why. It's funny when you go to those like weird little, Mm -hmm. like, like remote towns in these random places around the country, (laughs) you'll find these types of characters. Sedona is another, I haven't been there, but Sedona. Yeah. And in, in, um, Florida, there's Casadega. And that's a whole, that's a city that's, that's all, um, like spiritualists and mediums. So, really? yeah, yeah. And psychics. And so it's like, it's a tiny town, um, inside another town, but it, it's the like highest percentage of, of spiritualists and mediums. And so if you really want to get a reading or like talk to a dead loved one, you know, like you want to talk to your great grandma, you go mm-hmm. to Casadega and you can talk to your great grandma. Really? Yeah. Do you know what part of Florida it is? Yeah, it's um, it's central, little north ish. Okay. I think it's near my my geography is not a hundred percent, but it's nearer to like Orlando, so it's not that far from here, probably. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, yeah. That's we want to do one of our episodes there. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever talked to a medium or anything like that? I'm not not really. I haven't no. had a serious conversation mm-hmm. with uh, with psychics. Yes but not someone who channels the dead. Right. Yeah. You have talked to psychics. Though. Yes. Yeah. What is your experience with psychics? I talked to, um, th- this man who's known as, as the great, <clears throat> greatest living psychic or the, mm-hmm. he's like the most scientifically studied psychic. Mm-hmm. His name's Sean Harabance. He's almost 90. And I found out about him because I'm working on another little short doc about this, um, this scientist in Canada who he was made famous by his God helmet exp- uh, experiments. So mm. he designed a helmet that stimulated your brain with magnetic fields and, and created like the God experience. And uh, he also, he studied, he's a very, he was, he died. He's a very reputable scientist and fairly well respected. And he, he had this psychic Sean Harabance into his lab to study his brain, to try and figure out like what is going on with this guy. And also to, to run studies where, he would give psychic readings of people um, in a, he would do a scientific study designed around this and the accuracy was pretty like statistically astounding. Mm-hmm. So he told me to go meet with this guy and he lives out, he lives outside of Houston. So I just drove and met him. And as soon as I walked in the room, he, um, he asked me how I was doing like post breakup. And I had just broken up with like a, girlfriend of three years really yep and then he started asking me about my my work shoots that i was working on and there's no way because i like these are shoots that i haven't even shot yet and he's like oh yeah so you're going to africa and 
like crazy shit. Like just as soon as I walked in the room and I was just like, Oh wow. Um, cause I, you know, I'd never had a reading or even necessarily. Where was this in again? In outside of Houston. Okay. And the problem is he, um, he, he's like Trinidadian and Indian and his accent is like almost indecipherable. Like, I understood just half of what he was saying. It was really hard to understand him. Uh, and he's super old and not in good health. And so I, w- I was meeting with him to see if I would want to film with him. But, yeah, it was wild. And he's had um, – so pretty much every past president or administration has consulted him. And he had he was showing me, like, the official documents, like, whatever – like, with Bill Clinton, you know. And what? Bill Clinton's asking him about – he's advising him on, like, soybean – future prices like crazy shit Uh, yeah yeah he's got he has correspondence with all these past presidents and the only one of you know probably since like reagan um that he hasn't consulted was well and biden i doubt he has but was uh (laughs) was trump so trump was the only one that he and apparently you remember trump don't have time for that shit do you remember Corey lewandowski trump's he was like trump's campaign manager and Corey then, Lewandowski. Yeah, he was Trump's campaign mm. manager, and then he, like, shoved some, like, a, a female reporter in an event and, like, bruised her arm, and then he was out. And, um, oh, does he live in Florida? No, that was Ro- Roger Stone. Oh, no, and you're thinking of the, no, no, this no, other guy. No, no, younger guy. Yeah, 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 that's not him. Okay. But anyway, okay. so Corey, he... Look that, look that guy up he's talking about. Yeah. What's his name, Corey? Corey Lewandowski. Corey Lewandowski. So, so Sean Harabans told me, I don't have <laughs> proof, obviously, but that Corey Lewandowski reached out to him and was like, well, you know... Trump wants a reading. We want Trump to get a reading. And Sean Harabance basically was just like, yeah, I'll give him a reading if he goes and sees like a psychologist or something because like something's not right in his head. Before meeting him? Before, before meeting him. He oh, said that. Man. <laughs> yeah. Is that him? Yeah, that's Corey So that's the guy. Okay. Yeah. So he, he didn't want to give Trump a reading basically. Oh, I wish he would have. Yeah. It would have been. Could you imagine being able to film that? I know. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. But yeah, his, I read a bunch of the studies that, I mean, he was studied at like, I think like Caltech or just some, some like, you know, real serious educational institutions. Mm-hmm. And he, he, some of his, like his hits, like his, his, you know, psychic hits were like trillion to one odds. Yeah. Yeah. But then other times, like with a lot of this phenomena, it's hard to reproduce consistently. Other times he was just like as good as chance, you know? So it wasn't like every time he would, he would be able to read someone accurately, mm. but other times it was just like scary how accurate he was. Well, is he still alive? He's still alive. Look, look him up real quick. Yeah. How do you spell his name? Uh, Sean, S-E-A-N, and then Harabance is H-A-R-R-I-B-A-N-C-E. Harabance, okay. Yeah. So the f- one of the things, I'm, I'm it's coming back this to me guy. now. Okay. I mean, he's very intense looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what he looks like now, yeah, the gray hair. Really nice guy. In Houston. Yeah. And okay. so he didn't, he had, he didn't even learn to read or write until like in his, in his like teens because he had a severe learning disability. And also he, um, he has no, his brain has no geospatial faculty. So if he walks out of his house, he has no idea where he is. Like he's lost. Really? Immediately. Yeah. Like he has no, he has, he, he just doesn't know where he is in space, basically, like directionally. 
Yeah. And there's, um, when they had him in the MRI, there was like, it looked as if he had some kind of brain damage in certain areas. And so, you know, the, the lay theory is like that, you know, damage in one area could lead to some kind of enhancement in other areas. Yeah. Uh Yeah, I've heard, I've heard things similar Uh to that with like people who have had lots of brain trauma. Right. Yeah. Like they somehow become like excel in some area yeah. of their life, whether it be totally. like like business or whatever whatever it is, or yeah. sports or uh-huh. amazing I, at math. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. So does he not leave his house? Not really. And I think well, with his wife, he has a, his wife, so okay. she always has to be She's, with him. Okay. Yeah, and he's so old now. I don't think they. Yeah. You know, do much. So did you end up filming with him at all? No, no? mostly because I can't understand. I can barely understand him. That's the problem mm. in. I like so uh, you to interview him. You can, but it's just the interview with him. I don't know what he's you half the time. I don't know what he's okay. saying to me, and I, I don't know if he's answering my question. And and so maybe his wife was there, but it's yeah, that's a tough one, and also a tough one to make. Like, how do I make that look interesting? Because all he does is sort of just sit at home, mm. and his home is you know, it's not remarkable. And yeah, it's one of the cool things about your doc. Like mm. the first one, the first. Uh, what was the first one with David D's like the, the you're just confined to like his trailer, but mm-hmm. you fucking made it look so sick <laughs> with all of the shots that you made. And even when it comes to like, you showed the, uh, the montage of him creating that yeah. one piece and you had like the, the wide angle, just doing a 180 mm-hmm. to him. That it was, was a, so cool. Yeah. We had, we put a 360 cam up and, oh, really? yeah, between him and his computer. And we just like in post was spinning, the circling camera. it. Yeah. Wow. That was mm-hmm. fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Do you do any of the cinematography yourself, or are you just strictly? Directed? I do a little. That okay. one was was shot by my my buddy Cody Cobb, who's like an amazing photographer. Um, and basically, like if I can, aff- like he did that as a favor. Um, if I can't afford a a DP, I'll just shoot it myself. But I always want to hire a right. a real cinematographer when I can. Like Love and Saucers, that was shot by, um, or most of it was shot by the guy who did Napoleon Dynamite. Who shot Napoleon Dynamite? What was? Uh, Love and Saucers. Which was that? No, the David Huggins one. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Oh, lo- I didn't understand. I thought you said Eleven Saucers. No, Love and Saucers. Yeah. So the guy who shot Napoleon Dynamite shot that. Yes. What? Yeah. yeah. That's fucking wild, dude. <laughs> that was another one that was shot fucking amazing. <laughs> and the way, also, like I noticed the way, like you, like the, that you guys like spliced the B roll. Like I mm. love the way you cut those things. You know what I mean? Like first of all, you started it with like just. I was raped or I was, I yeah. lost my virginity to an alien when I was 17 years uh-huh. old. And then it just like cuts to him like in a fucking valley or something like <laughs> so cool the way you did that. Um, what I was about to say before I went into that, what was, um, we're talking about psychics mm. when, um, when I first had Mike Cleland on, yeah. you know, his stories about like owls and UFOs, like the synchronicities of, you know, how whenever there's owl sightings, there's UFO sightings. And his theory is that, um, when people see these owls, um, what they really are as aliens, sort of using some sort of uh, some sort of like visual mind trick to making you think it's an owl, so you yeah. don't think of it as you you don't remember you saw an alien. You have this implanted memory of seeing an owl. Um, and the book, his first book, Messengers, is just basically hundreds of different accounts, like the most famous accounts of these these things happening these situations happening Uh um and then he he goes into you know he started telling me that he's seen multiple he's been seeing psychics 
okay. his whole life. And he's like, oh, yeah, I went to this psychic. I went to that psychic. I've been seeing this psychic. I did hypnotic regression here. I, I've been in hypnosis hundreds of times and starts talking about all these psychics. And I'm like, whoa, like, first of all, I am, like, deeply skeptical about psychics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he starts, like, talking about his, like, unf unwavering belief in in mediums and psychics and he sort of lost me there which is the same thing with bigfoot when people let i start talking about ufos with people they start talking about bigfoot yeah i kind of like lose it yeah you lose I think, me there i think with psychics what i think is is like a lot of these things um 99.99 percent of it is is not real and maybe that you know not necessarily that the psychic is a scam artist but that they're just you know saying what's coming to them mm -hmm. um, or they are scam artists, but that there's, there's like enough there and enough evidence that, that that point zero 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 one percent let like something is going on. It's like, you know, the, are you familiar with the remote viewing phenomenon? Yes. Those experiments a little bit. Yeah. So that, you know, government program that lasted 20 years, many millions of dollars put into it that had who was results. the guy, the billionaire who did that, uh, who like put a bunch of money into that. Um, oh, Bigelow. Bigelow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, I don't know if he, he did, I don't know if he specifically put money into the remote viewing. He put it into the like UFO stuff. Mm -hmm. But for the remote viewing, that was just like Pentagon was it? CIA money. Okay. Yeah. And once the Freedom of Information Act, um, once they were able to get those documents through that, it painted a picture of this like whole program. And the people who ran the program at Stanford were able to write about it and have written books about it in all of the studies that they did um, and that were presented to the military um, were laid bare. And, and it was like, there's, you know, there's stuff there that, that even in their own report was like, it was statistically significant. And there were some hits that were like sort of impossible to, to describe in any other way. And so I, I do think that especially with like psychological stuff, this like, the sigh, as they call it, that there's something there that, and it doesn't have to be like, like that it's woo woo or like magic. It's just, we don't even really understand consciousness or how consciousness works. So it, it, it could just be something we don't understand. You know, it's like a sense mm. that we have that's incredibly rare that some people can tap into sometimes Yeah, and, you know, see at a distance, um, and that we just, you know, simply don't understand what's going on there. And so that, I, th I think that's, that is pretty interesting and, and like could be real. Um, but that's still pretty far from like a psychic telling you about, you know, what went on in a past life or. Yeah. Yeah. You think some people are just born with just like, like say there is another like parallel dimension to uh -huh. us. Like some people are just born with, a better comprehension of that or they can they they can they can see it more than other people can or they have better access to it whether right. it is just like some sort of genetic thing with their with their brain and with some something that we don't under, understand like a genetic consciousness uh -huh. maybe some are more predisposed to it but with the whole remote viewing program that the government was funding the point of that one was was that they could teach anyone to do it mm, okay and that so they would just teach people that didn't seem to have any ability um and that was the point of it was that they could train what they called the psychic spies to 
to like it was all to like spy on Russia, right? You know, <laughs> during the Cold War, and then the Cold uh, War ended. They're like, well, we don't need psychic spies anymore, right. and we also have you know satellites, <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> that are better at it. So, um, well, how many do you, how many people successfully did re- like were able to do remote viewing? I wonder. Oh, it was it was a it was an all right number. There was like you know a handful that were really good at it. Like that like consistently pretty good, but I'll, I'll, um, there's a great book just called mind reach mind reach. Yeah. That's, that is like sort of details the program and the guy who, one of the guys who ran it, he lives in Austin, Texas. Really? Now. Yeah. So I want to try and he's like, again, another guy who's like 90 who yeah. <laughs> I need to try and get before he dude, dies. these, like <clears throat> these, these films that you make. They had like so long to, yeah. to make, like yeah. especially with like David Huggins. Uh-huh. You said three years were filming yeah, yeah. with him. I have similar experience doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, before I started this, I was I did a lot of like similar ty- types of like docu series stuff, uh-huh. and and my experience with it is like just like you explained, like the first time you visit, like the first time I visited uh, this one group of local fishermen around here. I did a similar documentary about commercial fishing, mm-hmm. um, and like the the people. Um, like the lowest level, like the deckhands. And we met with the first guy and it was like, holy shit, we just like discovered another universe. You know, we're going to go down this rabbit hole and we uh-huh. filmed for, we filmed it for like six months. And then I sat on all that footage for like f- three years mm-hmm. before I even touched anything, yeah. started editing anything. Cause it was just such a daunting idea to edit and package all of that shit. Yeah. And eventually I don't know what it was, but I just like sat down and started going through it. And then once I got like a certain percentage cut, I was like, okay, now I can start like taking bites of this thing yeah. and eating the whole thing. You yeah. Know like I, mean? I, I sat on the Huggins, my first Huggins footage for, for like four years. Really? I didn't touch it. I didn't look at it. I was just like, I can't, like I just can't motivate myself. I don't think it's going to be good mm-hmm. um, until I finally like I cut just like a little thing out of it to show people, and then that was the motivation to yeah to get into it. Like cut a little teaser and yeah. show people get the like the real world excitement exactly and it make it, it sort of makes it real. You know yeah, what I mean, yeah. put some music to it, and yeah. then it's like okay, now I'm going to do it. And that's For- yeah, that's basically also what I learned from because I worked in ad world too. Yeah, before this, and still kind of do. Um, and that was like a good skill to learn is like packaging something and making a thing that people will actually watch without turning away. Mm-hmm. Did you now when you uh, when you come up with these ideas to film guys like this, mm-hmm. did you just sort of like have the idea and you want to like fund it yourself until you can sort of like figure out how someone else can help you fund it and make it better? Or do you just want to put it out on the internet and just see what happens. Yeah, it, it depends. Um, the great thing about docs, making docs is like you can just start. Um, it's always good to, you know, plan and think first, but you can, you can just, I can just go with the camera and audio. It's not going to be great as good as it can be, but I can do something mm-hmm. that, that I like with the D's thing that like we can put online and, um, you know, I didn't wait for any funding for that one or, or anything, but then it did lead to, you know, interest in doing like a, mm-hmm. a bigger project out of that. So, um, with the series, with the, like the folklore series, yeah, we shot that Mount Shasta thing as a little proof of concept. Same with the cryptozoologist stuff. I think you, you just sort of have to start because, um, similar, like with the ad world, like people aren't going to get behind something unless they can already just see it and see at least a part of it, you know? 
and and especially now um you have to show people exactly what it's going to look and mm-hmm. feel like before you actually make it somehow yeah. my I, I don't i have like a bad taste in my mouth from that <laughs> whole world just because yeah. like I, i've done a lot of like short documentaries like mm-hmm. you have um not recently but when i did like i would have uh production companies calling me or like you know production companies that have deals with whatever uh-huh. network it is and they're like yeah. hey uh we like that uh are you, are you working on anything else similar to that i just feel like they're they're fucking real estate brokers <laughs> you know calling me just trying to make some money uh-huh. on something cool and it's the same thing with podcasts yeah um a lot of th- there's like executives working at production companies just scouring podcasts trying to find somebody to do a show to sell to netflix yeah you know what i mean it just feels just like a fucking it's gross. A, a, a car dealership yeah. you know what i mean it's pretty gross yeah, gross. That's a good word for it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's the maybe idea. Maybe I'm just of, bitter because I've never I've never put a documentary on Netflix. On <laughs> it's just sort of it's treating it, you know, like disposable, mm-hmm. like consumer goods. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like just thinking of it as content as opposed to a story. And yeah, yeah. And anyways, I don't know where I was going with that, but um, doing this was cool because it was like it was like doing the documentary. Yeah. But it takes, instead of three years, it takes three hours. Yeah. And I don't have to shoot any B-roll or add any music to it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know what I mean? And and also, yeah, you can, you've made what, how many? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can make hundreds of them. Yeah. In a year. Yeah. You know, not one in three years. And. What's that? The camera was catching Oh, oh. Is it good now? Yeah. All right, cool. Um, and also, you know, pitching to someone, hey come into my studio for a few hours is a lot easier for them to say yes to than I'm going to be with you for three years yeah. <laughs> yeah. of your life now. Yeah, well, you don't have to tell them that in the beginning. True. You just yeah. be like, hey, I just want to, can I come to you and film for a day or whatever? <laughs> and then once they get to meet you, I'm sure it's not, I'm sure it's easier for them to let you come back. Yeah. Like with David. And so, well, I mean, what about you with all the guests that you've had and all their stories? Have you changed your mind on things or changed your beliefs on, on anything? Like as far as what? Like, oh, what anything like have you like any beliefs that you had held that have now? Um, not really. I haven't really changed any of my beliefs. Uh-huh. I, I don't like. I don't know. I don't really have very many like s- gr- beliefs that you could probably change for me. It's more. I'm more of just like open to learn. I've learned a lot. I can say that I've learned a lot of things. I've gotten better at like before I started doing this, like I was similar to you. I would just go out and like, and film something interesting, let the camera roll. Mm -hmm. And I would just try to like package it into something like a cool music video. That was weird to watch. Uh You know what I mean? And now it's sort of like, now I have to talk and like carry a conversation that's not edited. Yeah. So it's more of just me like building a skill and like learning, like having discipline. Right. You know what I mean? To do, like, I make sure I do at least one or two of these a week. And, you know, you get better at certain things. I learn learning a lot. Um, I always, like, kind of, like, I always I have this, like, inner war going on, whether I should just do these or go make more documentaries. Right. Because the documentaries are much more fun to watch. Sure. Than fucking a podcast. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. But, um. Well, what about when you see owls now, though? Oh, I don't see owls. I never see owls. Aliens don't want anything to do with me. <laughs> Are there even owls in I don't, Tampa? I don't know. Yeah, there's Tampa a few. Eats. My mom has owls. My mom sees owls all the time in her backyard. Okay. She has these That's little like, these little tiny owls. So my mom uh-huh. might might have some sort of connection to uh yeah. to you to aliens. Yeah. 
But um, no, I don't know. He was I'm like, I love having the conversations. Sure. Um, I don't think I could f- say I. I don't want to say the guy's full of shit. You know, he could totally everything he's saying could be real to him. Um, but you know, I don't really think about it that much after the conversation either. Like, once we do the podcast, I don't like I don't dwell on it and like right. and think about it a lot. I just kind of like I remember the conversation. I remember like the important parts of it. I try to I try to retain as much of it I can, yeah, as, as I can, and try to carry it into like more conversations so I can just keep like learning more and. So on and so forth, and just mm-hmm. keep having like better conversations. I, just, I try to treat these like documentaries. I try to treat these like little mini documentaries as yeah. best I possibly can. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You've had such a like a wild group of people. Too. Yeah, yeah. And just look at the list. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing's consistent. <laughs> it's not very consistent at all, especially when I'm trying to like pitch like a legitimate person on here who's uh-huh. not like into any of like the f- crazy fringe ideas cultures. Right. You know what I mean? Like a like a there's one guy I had on here who's like a uh, he's a doctor, uh, like a nutritional doctor scientist, uh-huh. and then uh, you know. Typically, when I try to reach out to people, I should like show my credibility. Look, yeah. I've interviewed. Yeah. Well, put aside, they're all criminals and conspiracy right. theorists. But, you know, yeah. so it's that it, it gets weird sometimes when you're trying to talk to new people. Yeah, but. that's happened to me as well. Like with really? work, where they're like, they'll go look on my website and be like, "Oh, you interview wackos." Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna <laughs> be in your film. Yeah. The consistency yeah. is the biggest thing for me. Uh-huh. Just trying to you know remain consistent to it and. Um, there's a book about it too that I really like. Um, I can't, the name is escape, uh, the war of art. Okay. Have you heard of that? No, book? no, I haven't. Um, it, it's, it's all about, uh, the guy's name is Steven. His last name's escaping me. Anyways, it's about, he's a writer. Um, and he just talks about like confronting the muse, you know what I mean? Confront, okay. confronting resistance, right? Like the muse is a thing you get all your creativity from and like flows through you and just, your connection with, with with that, with your creativity, is hindered by resistance. Resistance can be anything, whether it be like eating or checking your emails, going on your phone, playing video games, watching movies or whatever. And it's like the resistance is the one thing that stands in the way of you and the muse. So like every single day, if you're a creative person, the last thing you want to do is like get up and go to work in the morning every day at the same time and, exactly. and have a routine. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing is, you know, always sit down every day and do your work whether you uh whether you feel good or bad or creative or dry you know always sit down and you know put in the time every single day and that's that's what you have to do you know that's what creativity is 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 being consistent and being disciplined into in putting the time into your craft yeah. You know what I mean? And I was never like that before. I would just be like, inspirate. I have to be inspired to yeah. do something. So even when you're not inspired, when you don't have feel that calling, that that pull, you know what I mean? When you don't feel that, still sit down and push. So that's what I gained. You know, I, I made the connections between doing this and that. Book. Yeah. I mean, that's always been my problem. And it's still my biggest problem is, is not f- forcing myself yeah. or disciplining myself to work. I have to be excited. Mm-hmm. And then that's why things take years. Yeah, <laughs> to finish, the resistance you know? fucks you up, man. Yeah. yeah, the resistance. You'll grow old and uh-huh. fucking re- look back and just be like, God damn. Yeah. You know, I also feel like sometimes looking back, like in like in my early to mid twenties, like that was like, be like, man, that was the most cr- 
creative time in my life. Like sometimes I like, made some of the coolest shit or did some of like the coolest shit I ever did. And I always wonder if that if that sort of like connection to the muse, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it's it, better. if that dwindles the older you get. You know yeah. what I mean? Your connection gets worse and worse and worse. The reception goes down. I mean, even Hunter S. Thompson, I don't know if you've ever seen his he had a schedule. He like his his sort of daily schedule. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, it which included all the drugs that he would consume. Yeah. But even he had this set block of time where he would write no matter what. Really? Yeah. And no matter how fucked up he was, he would sit and really? write. Yeah. Huh. And it would end up being at like, you know, midnight or three in the morning or something. But yeah. 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 I've, I've, I've actually, he, he's fascinating. I've been wanting to like go down the rabbit yeah. hole of his story and his documentaries. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. He was a fan of Florida. Was he? I think he spent some time in the Keys. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, the Keys. Have you ever been to the Keys? You're yeah, going there right I'm now, aren't you? I'm going there tomorrow, yeah, for a month. What are you doing there? Uh, I got invited to an, an artist's residency. So so basically they they give me an apartment and a studio and to just, and, a, and like a bicycle and um, for a month. And like it's just a space for me to, to work on whatever, without what I want to work on without any distractions of like home. Really? And family and yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to do? I'm just going to like write, uh, work on a movie, like a, a screenplay idea, work on these docs, like researching, editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm writing a podcast episode for, for the QAnon Anonymous guys. Oh, really? Yeah. It's going to be on Mount Shasta about the, wow. like, yeah, the Telos Press story. So just work on all of that or not, or just. You know, Are there? Po- the I've never listened day. to their podcast. Is it like one of those produced podcasts with like music and editing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah, love yeah. those podcasts. Yeah. They have, a and they're like serialized, much. right? Like they have, they tell stories like through sometimes, episodes. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes they they'll be multi parts, but but actually, usually it's just like you know they'll get into you know some character in the conspiracy verse, and that's what you know mm-hmm. it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Those podcasts are awesome. Yeah, but they focus. It's just conspiracy theories. Those um. The Keys is a fucking crazy place, dude. Mm. Crazy. You never been? I've I gone for like when I was a kid, yeah. and then I went like a couple days some years ago, but yeah. never really got to experience the craziness of the Keys. When I was, I think, nineteen years old, um, like when I first started, like, I, between like seventeen and eighteen and nineteen, I was like, that's when I first started doing like like picking up a video camera and making money with it. Mm-hmm. And I got hired by um, a really big real estate company who owned a lot of like resorts and marinas in the Keys. And uh, through knowing somebody, they hired me to do uh, video tours of all of their resorts and marinas. And they owned apartment buildings everywhere. And like not apartment buildings, but like the condo buildings. Yeah. So I was going to like big houses, condos, all these things all over the Keys by myself with a little uh, Canon GL2. <laughs> and I was there for, I think, two and a half months when I was like 19 years old. By myself, they gave me like a little hotel room. At, you know, I would start in each town. So I'd start in Key Largo, go to yeah. Isla Morada, Marathon, then down to Key West eventually. <laughs> and I was by myself the whole time living in these tiny little hotel rooms. <laughs> and I had, they gave me a per diem of like 60 bucks a day. And I would save it. And I bought, I got a little, I brought my uh, spear gun with me. And every night I would go, I would swim under the bridges because there's oh, bridges, wow. it's fucking bridges everywhere, yeah. dude. Like like every mile there's a bridge, uh-huh. and I would swim under the bridges at night and I would shoot lobster illegally, 
<laughs> and I, I would, I would stuff, I would rip the tails off underwater because it's so illegal to do this. And I'd rip the tails off underwater and stuff my board shorts pockets with lobster tails. <laughs> then I go to Publix and buy corn, canned corn. <laughs> And I would bake the lobster tails, eat lobster tails and corn every fucking night, dude. I've saved so much money. <laughs> that was that was a, an amazing adventure. But Key, Key West specifically is a wild, is a crazy fucking town. Yeah, I just imagine. I mean, a lot of drug running history. Oh yeah, uh huh. Tons. And some like Cuban history, and I hear there's still a lot of illegal like cockfighting. Oh really? Going on there. Hmm. <laughs> Yep. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of crazy shit down there. It's a fun place to it's a fun place to party. A lot of college kids go down there and get mm-hmm. fucked up. You should have. Um, uh, did you see Square Grouper? That that Billy Corbin's documentary. Yeah. It's yeah, been yeah. a while. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah, I've seen it. You should have this guy on. Uh, he lives in Everglades City. Um, Dave Sheely. He was in. I don't know if you saw my short about the Skunk Ape, which is South Florida's Bigfoot. Yeah. I ha- did you see you that? You did one? that? Yeah. That what, what was it? Is that like Vice or something? No. Maybe no, no. The, I think maybe you saw something else. I just had a guy in here like 3 weeks ago. Uh-huh. Um who lives in Everglades in the Everglades. He's like a big weed pot hauler guy. Was that Dave Sheely? No, his name wasn't Dave Sheely. Oh, okay. What the fuck was his name? Why am I forgetting his name? Let me look it up real quick. Hold on. You, you if you What the fuck? I feel like such an idiot for not remembering his name. This guy. Tim McBride. Can I see his photo? Yeah. I don't know him, but he lives in Everglades. Google, Google, this is like a bad photo. Just Google Tim McBride. Yeah, he was like one of the biggest pot haulers in Florida. Mm. And uh, he got like a really long prison sentence. So Dave Sheely did that stuff as well, but he's also. Tim McBride, uh, type in saltwater cowboy after that. This guy. Oh. Vice did a thing on him. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so Dave Sheely is kind of like this guy, except he also, he has what's called the Skunk Ape Research Headquarters. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say it was on Vice I saw. I don't remember where. I I saw it online, but I didn't make the connection that you did it. Yeah, yeah. And so so he, he, he had that history of, like, drug hauling in Everglades City, and he he also is like styled himself as the foremost researcher of the skunk ape mm-hmm. in, in the Everglades. So he's like a he considers himself a cryptozoologist and goes out there. Oh, really? But he's he ha- and he has this campground out there uh, that's that's pretty pretty weird. He's just he's oh uh, yeah he's a character that be super fun. Are you gonna, are you going to talk to him on your way down there? Uh no no no. He yeah he uh, I haven't chatted with him since I filmed with him. Um, I'm not sure what he would have thought of the documentary. Maybe he'd like it, but yeah, he's kind of a scary guy <laughs> too. So, is he really a little bit? Yeah. What? Why is he scary? Just, he's got like those eyes that like those sort of like cold mm. blue eyes yeah. that like you know could murder you if you say the wrong yeah. thing. Yeah. There's a um. There's just a ton of fucking, there's a ton of history in here mm-hmm. uh, in this area mm-hmm. of like big time cocaine and weed pot traffickers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like just like 
I know a lot of people who are in like their fifties and sixties who were just, just around here that I know who were like gone, went to prison for a long time for yeah. smuggling cocaine. Decades. Yeah. Like a long, like just randomly, like I'll just find out, like I didn't even know, like you, I was interviewing, um, you know who Manny Puig is? Mm-mm. He's like the wild, have you seen wild boys on MTV? I've heard of it. Yeah. So he's like he's like the guy who who swims down with like the giant fifteen foot crocodile alligators and like levitates them like he puts them into like a catatonic state underwater and then he like go he like rides that he was the first guy to ride a giant great hammerhead shark oh, fuck just a crazy guy uh-huh. and, and he's originally he still lives in Florida he was on here and I was talking to another guy who went to prison for I had a guy on the podcast who was in prison for ten years for smuggling coke he's like oh Manny Puig I met him in prison yeah he used to, he used to be a pot hauler so it's just like this fraternity of drug smugglers in Florida yeah. because Miami was such a fucking oh yeah uh, a global hub for it built Miami yeah yeah it was just like a like a retirement resort basically until it's, it's the cocaine came through yeah it's fucking insane have you seen that new cocaine cowboys documentary the um new, or the re- or the latest one on Netflix you no did like I a just revive of it no I just saw the original yeah yeah original was pretty good uh-huh he's a weird way of making documentaries yeah it's yeah a cheesy way you he know? did he did that one is it called screwball screwball i haven't seen yeah that. me neither where it's like kids that are yeah kids re- portray the whole thing <laughs> yeah you know who's another really interesting guy that i, I want to fucking meet i know people who uh he lives in uh in miami one of my favorite filmmakers is harmony kareen oh yeah 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 he um there was this this kind of pirate 35 millimeter movie theater in Miami for a while called Night Owl um, that was in a half abandoned shopping mall mm-hmm. and Harmony Kareen's office, like his production office was right above it. And he would sometimes like come and curate. Oh really? The films there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dude, he's, he's got some, have you seen uh, beach bum? Oh yeah. Fucking amazing. That's Key West. I don't know if they actually shot any of it in Key West. Looked like, oh yeah, they did. Oh, they did. Oh yeah. You can tell a lot <laughs> of it's in the key. I don't know if it's Key West specifically that I could remember, but a lot of it's definitely in the keys. Some of it looked like California. <laughs> But really, yeah, some of it did. Was it maybe it was shot in California? It looked like it was all Miami and Keys. It would make sense if it was if it was Florida, but because yeah. he lives there, right? Yeah, he live he lives in Miami. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure he still lives here. Yeah, a friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine who's a, a like an underwater cinematographer who lives in Key Biscayne. He says his kid goes to the same school as Harmony oh, in Miami. Okay, this was two years ago. I think he told me that. Yeah, yeah, but I'm sure he has to still live there. Yeah. He's like, he's one of those weird guys you don't like hear anything from him or see anything from him in the media at all. Just like every 10 years he comes out with some crazy film. Yeah. There used to be this, this film organization in Miami called Borscht and, uh, and Harmony would do some curation with them, but he never showed up. He would never just be there. Yeah. He was like behind the scenes. He seems like the kind of guy who would do what you're about to do in the keys. Just go right. like sit in an empty apartment for a month and write shit. Except he wouldn't need a, to be invited to that residency. He'd just be able to buy. Right. He would just yeah. do it himself. <laughs> yeah. So are you supplementing all of this creative work with uh, like commercial jobs? Like kind of. Yeah. Okay. I do. I do like docs for clients and like branded docs, you know, mm-hmm. the buzzword. Branded docs. Yeah. So it's it's like you know sponsored by Old Spice or like Alaska Airlines will want like a dock style thing mm-hmm. um, or like I did one for Amazon and Gates Foundation and, <laughs> yeah the deep state exactly Amazon yeah. I love that guy's Jeff Bezos uh, David's Jeff Bezos oh, picture yeah that he was working on as we were didn't make any sense but it was f- funny <laughs> yeah, it, yeah no all of it was just so absurd but yeah. hilarious at the same time yeah. Man, that's so sad that guy died. 
I wonder what happened to all of his artwork. They should turn it into NFTs. They, I, I mean, he would have made a killing. He would have made it, and he was so poor. Like he was just in debt, living in a trailer, basically, like a double wide trailer, um, like poverty level. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he could have. I don't think he ever would have been able to figure it out. Like he wasn't that savvy online. Someone would have had to do it all for him. Mm-hmm. But this other conspiracy theorist that like lives down the road from him, who's like a bigger conspiracy theorist, um, he he inherited all of David's like oh, intellectual shit. property. Really, he's got everything. He was even selling, like, David's shirts really? and, like, hats and stuff after he died. A little weird. That is a lot strange. Yeah. Is there, is there, like, one subject or person that you would want to document or do a story on, like a, like a fucking holy grail for no, Brad? Not, no, I, it's always, like, every day is just kind of a new, a new discovery in a new thing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to make one um, about the manosphere, you know, like, like uh, there's, you know, like m- there's this whole sort of sphere of like men's rights activists, meninists. Um, oh yeah. They're called like men going their own way who like have said no to all women in relationships, the incels. <laughs> um, and there was a conference in Orlando called the make women great again conference. And it, <laughs> it was, and no women were involved in that. It was just these these like men's rights activists guys who were going to teach women how to be great again. Um, that whole world seems seems like basically it's just like uh, and how it how it uh, has exploded with the sort of far right conspiracy world too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of intersection there. That would be a really interesting and dark one to dive into. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Scary, the whole the I, I haven't seen the incel thing you were talking yeah, about, yeah. but those those types of people are they seem like the most dangerous ones. They're the ones In that just sense. like blow up. Oh and yeah, shoot fucking schools up and shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would only be a, like it wouldn't focus just on those guys, yeah. but like it, like that whole world seems kind of ripe for for getting it's, into. It's it's interesting. Like the whole QAnon thing, I always thought it was like far right wing uh-huh. ideologically anymore, yeah. now it's the whole spectrum yeah there's like yoga moms is a big part of QAnon and and hippies you know like ayahuasca slinging see I had no idea yeah yeah like vegans that's it's like <laughs> it's captured everyone yeah that's so wild uh huh I had a guy I have a guy on here who's a, a lawyer um and he's like a hardcore liberal okay um, I wouldn't say like hardcore. He doesn't mm-hmm. like go out like flaunting it. Like most people flaunt their rebel flags, but he, uh, he has this obsession with representing like the most extreme polar opposite of himself. Oh, wow. Like, uh, like he's representing like, one of the Capitol riot people. The, one of the guys who was on the Capitol on January 6th, yeah. like the guy assaulted a police officer and he's like, re- he's like defending him in court. And uh, he also he's like defended like serial killers. He's invited like invited them into his home because they had nothing else. Like neo Nazis who who have killed people, like what? killed people just because they were they were black. Uh-huh. Um, represented these people and just like gotten into their heads and like spent so much time with them. It's just like so interesting. I mean, maybe how he people sh- want to do that. Like this yeah. guy, I'm like, dude, like you need to 
video camera. Yeah, you gotta he, be a fucking filmmaker, not a of, lawyer. Yeah, instead of, but he's got way more money than <laughs> that's true. Most documentary filmmakers. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. It's weird. There's a lot of that stuff around in Florida. Yeah. Oh yeah. Crazy shit, man. Well, thanks for doing this, dude. I really appreciate it. it where fun. where can people follow the stuff that you do online and find more of your work and do anything they can to support you? Yeah, I have a website. It's bradabrahams.net. And then on Instagram, I'm bradwtf. And on Twitter, I'm lovinsaucers. That's your it. Your Twitter is lovinsaucers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I made it for the film, and then it's just become my personal Twitter. Oh, really? Twitter. Yeah. That's a, one more thing I wanted to ask you. What did you do? To, I bought it on YouTube. Is that How else are you distributing that one? That one, it used to be on Amazon Prime. Okay. And now Discovery, you know, there's Discovery Plus now. Yeah. Like Discovery Channel has their own. So now they have the sort of rights to that um, for streaming. So you have to, you can buy it on Amazon or iTunes or YouTube or I think on Tubi it's free. You can just watch it. Well, we want people to pay for it. The, I still it's get cheap. money from it if if they watch it on Tubi because there's ads. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, like <clears throat> any streaming service, it's it's on and it's like four bucks to rent it. So. One of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Thank you. Thanks wow. for uh, thanks for creating it. amazing content like that, dude. You're welcome. Fucking awesome. Yeah, of course. Goodbye, world. <laughs>